If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew, continuing our study, and we are in chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 12, this is God's Word. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember how the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many baskets full you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Two parts of this passage, the first being the confrontation with the Pharisees and Sadducees who came to Jesus wanting to see a sign. Now, what had happened just prior to this? Jesus had fed multitudes of people. Everybody knew about it. It was famous. He had done it on two occasions. He'd done all sorts of other miracles. He'd healed all kinds of people, all kinds of affliction. And yet, these guys come and they're saying, could you show us something more? Do you remember, oh, let's start with Gideon. Do you remember Gideon in the Old Testament? And how he just needed something for God to show him that this was really God telling him to do this thing that would require a miracle. This was, um, could you do this just to reassure me? Now, he'd already seen a miracle, but now he's asking for another one. Could you do this just to show me? God did exactly what he prayed for. And then he starts thinking and he says, What if that would have happened anyway? God, I'm sorry, please forgive me, but 
could you just switch that around and do the opposite tonight? And God did the opposite. Why would God do that for Gideon and not do it for the Pharisees and Sadducees? Because Gideon wanted to know, is this really God? And the Sadducees and Pharisees did not want to know that. Because no matter what Jesus did, they were still saying, I'm not sure. Not sure that's enough. I think I need to see a little more. Jesus had done miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Crowds came from all over. There was no question. Way back at the beginning of John's gospel, Nicodemus, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, came to Jesus and said, "Uh, we know that you're sent from God because there's no other explanation for the things you're doing. It wasn't like Jesus started out not doing very much and then later on, you know, he did a bunch of miracles. All through his ministry, Jesus did miracle after miracle. The people knew. But for the Pharisees and Sadducees, it wasn't enough. They were upset by some of his miracles. He had the audacity to heal people on the Sabbath. And that just seemed completely inappropriate to them. Because it had to be work. And you're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. So this can't be right. But Jesus did it anyway. And Jesus explained to them why he did what he did the way he did. And they still did not want to believe. They were always coming to him with questions and propositions, hoping to find a reason for their doubts. Not looking to get rid of their doubts. They didn't want to know the truth. Years ago, a nice man, a friend of mine, said, I really believe God's leading me to do this. But I just don't see how I can. In order for me to do what I believe God is leading me to do, there are three things that would have to happen. Three things. And... Any one of those things would be a miracle. First, this would have to happen. And then this would have to happen. And then this would have to happen. And unless those things happen, there's just no way I can do this thing that I believe God's leading me to do. And I said, well, let's pray. And so we prayed. I said, Father, if you want him to do this, you can do anything. Please do these three things. He called me the next day, said, I need to talk to you. Can you come over? I came over. He said, it's, you're not going to believe it. He said, you remember those three things we prayed about? I said, yes. He said, they all happened. They all happened the same day we prayed. First, this happened. And he explained it. He said, and then this happened. He told me what happened. And then this happened. And I said, that's tremendous. And he said, I know. He said, I'm I'm really going to have to pray about whether or not God wants me to do that. What happened? I believe God's asking me to do something difficult. I believe God's asking me to do something that will really stretch my faith. I believe God is asking me to, but I'm, I'm not sure, because in order for me to do that, God would have to do this. 
and this, and this. So we ask God, and God does it. This, this, and this. Boom. Within less than 24 hours. Is that amazing? So, obviously, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to do what I thought I was supposed to do. But it's still scary. Even though I've seen these miracles. So, well, obviously, then, the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees, bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, they were. And Jesus says to them, there's one sign you're going to get. and It's the sign of Jonah. What, 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 what is the sign of Jonah? Well, go back to chapter 12. Don't lose your place here. We're coming right back to chapter 16. But back in chapter 12, we looked at it before. Verse 38, then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a miraculous sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. You remember that? Jesus says that he is going to be killed and buried. And on the third day he'll rise again. And he says, that's the sign. You don't believe anything else. Look at the evidence for the resurrection. Person after person in history has set out to try and prove that the Bible is not true. It's just a bunch of myths. And one of the most famous in our generation is a man by the name of Lee Strobel. Lee was an investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, major newspaper in Chicago, America's second city, as they call themselves. And Lee had won awards for being the kind of reporter who didn't just do a surface job. He really investigated. He looked into things. He dug. He got the facts. He did his research. That's how he won his awards. Well, his wife got saved. And it was really bothering him because he was not just somebody who didn't believe. He was hostile toward belief and hostile toward believers. And so when his wife got saved, he was looking at divorce. Not because she was going to divorce him, but because he just couldn't stand to live with somebody who believed all this stuff. And so he decided that he would just do his job as an investigative reporter and prove that it wasn't true. He's now a follower of Jesus. Because if you do your homework, if you're interested in the truth, if you check out the evidence, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely overwhelming. And the only reason not to believe is because you don't want to. It's not because there's not enough evidence. So, Jesus said to these folks who were 
again, demanding a sign. After all the stuff he'd done, they're looking for something more because they're trying to find a reason not to believe. Jesus said to them, you want a sign from the heavens? That's what they asked for. Show a sign from heaven. He said, you can look at the sky and tell the weather's coming. But you can't look around you and see what is happening and realize the kingdom of God is here and now. I'm the one you've been waiting on. So he says, the only thing you're going to see as a sign is my resurrection, the sign of Jonah. Well, shame on the Pharisees and Sadducees. Because after everything that Jesus had done, they still didn't believe. So Jesus and his disciples get in a boat. It says Jesus then left them and went away. And when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, actually. And the reason is because I can picture myself forgetting to take bread. We had guests um, yesterday for a Sunday dinner after church. And uh, some folks who were coming, and we had invited them to eat with us. And they said, is there anything we can bring? And so we said, sure, why don't you bring the salad? That would be our vegetable, this nice, wonderful salad. And they said, great, glad to do it. And uh, after church, we went up to the house, and um, as they walked in, they said, so sorry, so embarrassed. The salad is in Maryville. We went out last evening and bought the ingredients and made a wonderful salad, and this morning when we were headed to church, we forgot and left it in the refrigerator. And I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but in that case, you cannot have any chicken. You cannot have any rice. And, and we don't have anything else green in the house. So there are no vegetables. No, of course, we made vegetables for them. We told them it was no problem. And one of the reasons is not just because we're such wonderful people, but it's because we can all relate to forgetting something that you intended to do, something you meant to bring I brought something down here this morning that someone from the ranch recently left at my house. We can all relate to that. How many of you have forgotten something on occasion? Okay, Some of you just can't remember what it was, right? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this, this happens. And Jesus says, when it happens, Jesus says... You forgot bread. How could you forget the bread? Come on, guys. I'm doing miracles here. And, and you can't even bring bread? Is that what Jesus said? Is that the way Jesus responds? No. I grew up somehow getting the distorted idea that if I did everything right, God would bless me. Okay? If I didn't make mistakes... God would look after me, which is totally contrary to the gospel, because the, the gospel's all about his coming to save people whose lives are filled with, to be kind, mistakes. Frankly, it's more than mistakes that we make. It's called sin. 
Not just a mistake, but disobedience, doing the wrong thing. So, they forgot to bring bread. Is it a sin to forget to bring bread? No, it's just human. They forgot to bring bread, and, and of course, you, you can bet they were kind of arguing over whose job it was and whose fault it was, but they didn't have bread. So now what are we going to do? And Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, what is he talking about? Well, they immediately, because of their guilt feelings about having forgotten the bread, they, they said he's talking about us forgetting to bring bread. That, that's why he's saying this. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Isn't it amazing that Jesus puts up with folks like this? Let me say that another way. Isn't it amazing that Jesus puts up with folks like this, like us? Because after, after all the things they've seen, they're thinking, oh no, we made a mistake now, now it's all going to go south. I mean, how could God bless us if we messed up? Well, that's what he does. Jesus said, you have little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? And then he reminds them of what we've recently studied. He says, do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many baskets full you gathered up? They took up more after 5,000 men plus women and children had eaten, it took up a lot more than they had before. How does that happen, Jesus? And he says, it wasn't a one-time deal. Remember the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many baskets full you gather? Seven baskets full. He says, do you still not understand? Don't you get it? Whatever your need is, God can take care of it. You don't have to depend on God to sort of make up the difference. It all comes from Him. Everything we have comes from Him. Not just financially, but our intelligence, our physical strength, our opportunities in life. It all comes from him. We owe him everything. And God never says, oh, oh I'd, I'd like to, but that would be really hard. Let me see if I can come up with something. God deliberately leads his people in a path that ultimately displays his glory. And his love for us. God puts us in situations where we come to the end of ourselves and we realize, wow, the only way that this is going to turn out okay is if God intervenes. And God says, finally, you see it. Over and over and over, in the scriptures and in our lives, we see God bringing his people into situations 
that will display his glory. And when we mess up, God doesn't panic and God doesn't say, Oh, you what? You forgot to bring bread? Now I guess we'll just have to fast. Well, I've already done 40 days and 40 nights, so I guess I'll be okay, but too bad about you guys. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, guys, you forgot to bring bread. Big whoop. No big deal. I'll take care of you. There will always be enough in the will of God. You won't always have abundance, but there will always be enough. There was a widow who thought she only had enough for one last meal, and then she and her son would just starve to death. That was what she thought, because she looked at her resources This is all she had. She'd made things last as long as she could, and now she was down to just enough for one last meal. And God told her that before she took care of herself and her son, she needed to do something else for him. Seemed like a crazy thing to do. But it turns out, when she did what God said... God multiplied what she had. And she ended up with enough, not just for herself and her son, but for others, day after day after day after day after day. Not just for a week, but for the duration of, of the famine. God took care of her. God will take care of you. I think it's been a while since I shared the story of when I was a little boy and living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my dad pastored a little church there, and we lived out in the country, and uh, one day, when I was growing up, we didn't have money, very, very little money. And my mother was a very good cook with what she had. But we didn't get to ask for seconds. If mom looked at what was there and decided there's not enough here for another meal, because sometimes she'd take the leftovers and turn it into another meal. Okay? But if she looked at it and thought, well, there's really not enough for another meal out of this, then she would say to us, uh, if you'd like seconds, you can finish this off. And then we knew we could have seconds. But if she didn't volunteer that, we didn't ask. Okay? It was just, that was an unwritten, unspoken understanding. We did not go to the kitchen refrigerator and look to see what we could snack on. We didn't go to the pantry, which was a little closet, and check to see if there was something in there to snack on. Unless mom said, I've put this in the pantry, and if you want some, you can help yourself. Then that was okay. But that was the only thing in there that we went after. Okay? So it was a very disciplined lifestyle. 
And so we did not realize, or at least I didn't as the youngest member of the family, that we were running out of food. But one day when it was mealtime, I mean at noon, which is when we ate the midday meal, we'd had breakfast, but when it was time for the midday meal, my dad and mom called the three kids, me being the youngest, into the living room and said, um, Mom said your dad has something to tell you. And, and dad said, uh, this is the first time in our marriage that this has ever happened, but we don't have any food. He said there was a time early in our marriage when all we had for a whole month was cornmeal. That was before any of the kids were born. But he said, right now we have, we have nothing. There's no meal this noon. He said, no, we're not going to starve. He said, I'll get paid in a couple of days. But he said, what I want us to do is just pray and thank God that this is the first time this has ever happened to us. Because there are other people who experience this much more often. So let's just pray and give thanks to God. Well, I'm a little kid, and I, you know, it was noon, but I wasn't starving. I'd had breakfast. None of us were starving. I mean, we expected a meal because there was always a meal at noon. And instead, we were having a prayer meeting. But I, I remember vividly the fact that we weren't praying, Oh, God, what are we going to do? We don't have any food. Please, God, send us food. It was, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for all the meals we've had. Thank you for all the things we've enjoyed. And as we're praying, the doorbell rang. Being the youngest, it was my job to answer the door or answer the phone if it interrupted our prayer times. We had family devotions every night. And my job was to answer the phone or answer the door if it interrupted. So I was used to this. I didn't, it wasn't like, okay, who's going to get it? When the doorbell rang, that's my job. And I was closer to the door than I am to the front row right now. Okay? So it wasn't a long journey. I didn't have to run down the hall. I jumped up, took a few steps, opened the front door, and there was no one there. As I said, we lived in the country. You could see from the front door the little porch and the sidewalk over to the driveway that went down to the road and the road out in front of the house. We could see that. And there's nobody on the porch and there's nobody on the sidewalk and there's nobody on the driveway and there's nobody out there on the road. The only thing on the porch was a big roasting pan like you cook a turkey or something in. And I opened the door, and that thing was hot, hot to the touch. And I called to my mom, because she could handle hot stuff. And I said, uh, Mom, please come. And she came over and looked inside, and guess what? It was a great big ham, and potatoes, and onions, and carrots, and beans, 
all cooked up and ready to serve the noon meal. <laughs> How'd that happen? I don't know, you can come up with your own theory if you want, but I don't have any question about where it came from. God provided that. Did he use a person? Well, maybe, but I sure don't know how they got away so quick. Okay? Was it one of your neighbors? No, I can guarantee it was not. <laughs> and they couldn't have gotten away that quick. So, do you think it was an angel that brought it? Yeah, that's my guess. I mean, just based on the stuff I've read in the Bible, I would guess that it was an angel. But it was an angel who had a metal roasting pan and apparently knew that we would enjoy ham for days. Okay? Aren't you glad you live in the new covenant? Hallelujah. Okay? I mean, I wouldn't have objected if it was a beef tenderloin, but, but the fact is... It was a wonderful, delicious, ready-to-serve, piping-hot ham. And all the veggies. No bread, but it was still fabulous. No dessert, either. Hmm. God apparently was concerned about this little boy's pudginess. But you know what God did? He provided exactly what we needed when we weren't even asking him. Now, I do not doubt that my parents were praying earlier that day, God, please send us some food. Because there wasn't any. But that made an impression on me that was worth more than if my dad had been Bill Gates. If I'd grown up in a home with billions of dollars, it would be less resources than the infinite riches of my Heavenly Father, who promises to meet our needs. You always have plenty? I already said no. But you always have enough. And so Jesus, when they're worried about their messing up and not having the resources they should have brought because they forgot, Jesus says, guys, don't worry about that. You just need to focus on not making the mistake of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and if you read Mark's account of it, and Herod, because Herod also was asking for a sign. I want to see a sign. Jesus says, this is not about looking for miracles. Oh, I really want to see a miracle. Come on. No, God does miracles when miracles are needed for our good and for his glory. But they took a lot of trips out on that lake where they didn't need a miracle. They remembered to bring the bread. What we can do is live a life without anxiety if we know that even when we make a mistake, God's going to take care of us. Because he will. Yeah, but this was, this was my mistake. It was my fault. I didn't bring bread. It's my fault. It's shame on me. God says, I got you. I'll take care of you. Yeah, but I, sh I, I really messed up this time. I, I shouldn't have done that. Okay. I'll take care of you. 
but, but it's not your fault, it's my fault. Yeah, I know, but I'll take care of you. You really believe God loves you? Or are you still thinking you've got to earn it? Are you still thinking that somehow God will love me if I'm good enough? God will love me if I, if I don't do this and if I do this and, and if I keep it up long enough, then God will love me. God loves you right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever trusts in him would not be destroyed but would have everlasting life. Repent and believe the good news. He loves you. He really does. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. We know we don't deserve it. But oh, we thank you that you have proved it over and over again. We thank you for Jesus who came because of your love and who displayed your love perfectly and who conquered death for us. Give us hearts of faith, we pray. Help us to trust you completely so that we will rejoice and not always be asking for one more miracle just so that we can know. Thank you that you delight in doing amazing things for your children. Help us to trust you fully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.